If you or anyone around you are affected by the subjects of today's podcast, you can reach out to get help, advice or support from our charity partners, Women's Aid, at womensaid.org.uk or the Yorkshire-based organisation IDAS at idas.org.uk. You can also find these links and reach out to us directly via our website, takebackthebeat.co.uk or email us at takebackthebeat.co.uk tour at gmail.com that's take back the beat tour at gmail.com hello 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 welcome to take back the beat oh this is a slow version (laughs) i think we should go back to the original i think people are the original I mean, now we just freestyle it, but... Take back the beat. Buzz notes. Buzz notes. I mean, they get the original in the intro anyway. So yeah, but this is live. This is some live shit. <laughs> this is the live version. Um, how are you doing? This we're, This is really funny, like, just behind the closed... Behind the clothes of the curtains. <laughs> behind the curtains. We actually recorded a podcast last night as well, so we're doing a double whammy in 24 hours, guys. We are doing a double whammy, and we have got another one tomorrow. The guests are flying in. We are very happy. <sighs> yes, but it's really funny when I'm like, how are you on a scale of one to a whole jar of Biscoff? When I know, because I spoke to you last night. <laughs> Anything changed how, uh, on a scale of one to a whole jar of Biscoff? How are you doing in the last 24 hours? Um, Since we spoke last, um, yeah. well, th- I said I was having... um. Two beers. I had yeah. three beers and right. a full family size bag of Doritos and dip. Oh, what a dream. <laughs> and watched the uh, Jim Carrey and Andy thing. You know, yes, where he like becomes, it's very much method Lovely. acting, but taken yeah. to like the next level. Um, I watched that and then I fell asleep. It was great. It was absolutely wonderful. I had my candles on, phone away, like. Very, very happy and relaxed. <laughs> yeah. And then had the I best night's sleep because I'd had three beers. <laughs> so on, life. on a scale of one to a whole jar of Biscoff in 24 hours, how are you feeling? Literally, we got off the podcast. I had a little meeting um, that I had to go to about my next single, um, which is a, I won't go into detail here, but it's a bit of a fight for this next one. Um, oh, I know briefly. I know a little bit about this situation. I love my next single. I am obsessed with it. It is me in a song. I'm not trying to please anyone. I'm not trying to tick any boxes. Mm-hmm. I'm just me and my producer and co-writer Jack just got in a session and we wrote something that we fucking adore. Yeah. However, it's not commercial enough. Um, so there's a few little back and forths on a few things, but it'll be fine. It'll work itself out. Um. I'm like doing loads of TikToks about it. I just be like, please can everyone like use my song in videos so that I can prove that people would like this oh. song. Um, it's fun. Um, so then literally I had a curry and then I went to bed at like 10 o'clock Ooh, and I nice. slept until like 9am. Nice. You must have like, needed that. Straight out, just completely asleep. Um, it was all the walking you did in Paris. Yeah, um, Aiden's not very well as well. Oh, so no. Yeah, it's not COVID. We've done a test, but <coughs> she says coughing. I know. Um, no, we, we think it's just like, because you forget people can still get a cold. Yeah. 
and like flu-like symptoms that aren't COVID. So he's just feeling a bit rough. Oh, do you know what though? Um, there are some nasty bugs going around at the minute. Yeah. When I just and we've done been that, on a flight. Yeah. Those people we yeah. don't know. Do on I mean? the run I've just done, I did a few festivals as well. Yeah. So there was like a lot of other acts there, and when you turn up, to be fair, I never know who's going to be there. I just kind of turn up and I'm like, oh my god, hi, we've worked together before. Um, and a few of them like were like, oh my god, don't come near me. I've got this. I've got that. Like. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. So, and that happened twice with like people who were like, I'd hug you, but I'm really ill. And I'm like, why the fuck are you here? I'm like, go home. Literally. <laughs> so like, spreading Aiden's, your germs. Yeah. <laughs> Bless, yeah. He, meant, he was fine yesterday. It was really weird because we were, like I said, we were a bit hungover yesterday. So we kind of thought it was just, well, actually, I was hungover. He wasn't because I'm a lightweight. I mean, he's six foot two and I'm five foot four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but literally this morning, he just feels really rough. So he's just like still in bed, like sleeping it off. And Aww. I was like, I'm going to go do a podcast. I hope you're okay. And he's just like, Bleh. when's he back um, on tour? He's meant to be back today. But oh, he shit. is, at the moment, he's got a banging headache and like just feels horrendous. Um, I was like, do a COVID test. Um, but no, he's fine. He'll be fine. Um, just I, I said to him, it's probably just a bit of rundown. He's probably picked something up in Paris. Yeah. And like, been on a flight with people. Like, people could be gross, and we don't know. Yeah, this, this is true. Um, this is true. So yeah, I'm fine. Um, literally, I bought some mad mad madeleines from Paris. You know, they're really fluffy. Like, they look like kind of little cupcakes, but they look like little boats. They're like this with like a little bump in the middle. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? I think mm, I think I do. They are banging. And I bought some at the are airport. they like spongy? Yeah. Yeah, I do know what you mean. So I just had one of them for breakfast. Um, so I'm I'm on it for that. Breakfast goals. Um, breakfast goals. Um, yeah, so no Bisco office of yet. What's the place that you took me to um, when we went to Paris? <gasps> Uma Velo de Fred. Yeah. That we went there as well. I honestly, I think we stood in there for like 20 minutes just watching them do what they uh, do. <laughs> I was like, this I is Aiden. incredible. I was literally like, this is my favourite place in Paris to go. Let's go. And because it was like 30 degree heat all weekend. Ooh, yeah. Babe, literally we had one. We walked to Notre Dame to sit there and like, really sad, like it's gone. I know, but yeah. We like, there's still the front bit still there. So we kind of sat there watching some guy busking and went to eat another one and it was just completely melted. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> Because obviously we went in November and I took my parents in January. Yeah. So it was like really fucking cold. Like walking around in like jackets and hoodies and hats. Yeah, it rained Whereas, a couple of times when we yeah, were there, didn't it? Where it, like, it snowed and my parents went. Oh, wow. And then this time was the first time in Paris. It was like blazing sun. Like mm-hmm. Aiden burnt his nose. Oh. That kind of vibe. Um, blazing heat. So literally all like all the food we bought just melted during the day. Oh, um, so we literally like, I bought some macaroons when I went to, <laughs> this is, I know this is really inappropriate, but we went to the Palace of Versailles, you know, where Marie Antoinette yeah. lived. And so I got a tub of macaroons and just walked around the palace eating cake. And was like, <laughs> let them eat cake. Um, it was very sad. I saw I all like, your I... Instagram posts in there as well. <laughs> Me being ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to start a series of statues talking because I always do it. Whenever we go anywhere, I always like make videos of statues talking because I ain't got a clue. I'm not very cultured. So like we watch or we go and like look at these incredible buildings and statues. And I'm just like, oh, hello. Um, it was amusing. If you if you didn't see it, you've got to follow her on Instagram. <laughs> it was funny. I'm such a geek. Um, so yeah, I was going to bring some Umavalo de Fred home. But they melted. They melted away. They melted. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and deny that I didn't lick the box clean of all the melted. I'd be offended if you didn't. 
That shit's okay. expensive too. I'd be like, get somebody oh, give me a spoon. Like it was so good. <laughs> so and the best thing was Aiden was like, Oh, I'm not really that fussed. So I was like, Okay, I'll eat them all. <laughs> okay. I mean we I like, oh, we got a shit. box and then didn't we we did the same thing. We sat um in a little cafe, didn't we? Yeah, and we just ate them. And, and ate like, them all. This is the oh, best good day. times. Pre, that was the pre days. Yes, that was just before the pandemic. Literally. Yeah, we had no idea. And I thought I had no money then. Jesus. Um, <sighs> anyway. Anywho, so today we have a new guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why I went Australian then. I so know, sorry. that was good though. Thank you. A lovely, a lovely lady called Samantha is coming to join us. Yes, she is. Um, she will talk all about her and stuff. She is a survivor. She's also an ambassador. She does a lot of work for women. Mm-hmm. So shall we get Samantha in the room? Let's bring her in. Let's do this. So we have the amazing Samantha. Hey, babe. Welcome Hi. to the show. Thank <laughs> hey. you. Um, so I found you on Twitter. Yes, That's I'm always where... on Twitter. I'm slightly yes. addicted. To, 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 <laughs> let's be honest, I'm slightly addicted. <laughs> no, I literally, you kept popping up like with bits of your story. Um, I like how you do your tweets are very much like little clippets of what you've been through in your life. And I was like, oh, Farah, I think we need to see who this woman is because it sounds yeah a, a lot. And it's obviously something we, we want to talk about. So if you're happy to, would you want to give us a little bit about you, about what you've been through and... Yeah, yeah, tell our audience. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm Samantha Billingham and I'm a survivor of domestic abuse, which is uh, a lot of the tweets that you've seen is, is as you say, snippets of my life. Um, I like to raise domestic abuse awareness. So back in early 2000s, um, it started off, I was a legal secretary, I was living at home. Life for me was just amazing. I've got a busy social life, healthy band balance, Mom did everything for me. Like, <laughs> uh, went to my local um, pub as I did every Friday night. And this bit is going to sound so cheesy, but this is exactly what happened. Walked into the pub and it was very busy. It was really busy that night. And as I looked over the crowded bar, I saw mm. this guy and I thought, wow, <laughs> I really like him. Uh, I've never, ever, ever felt uh, like that ever before. I just looked at him and I, th- I literally thought, wow, I want to be with him. Within 10 minutes, I was sitting next to him at the table, talking to him and his friend. He was good looking, uh, nice blue eyes, nice smile, made me feel very calm, felt very relaxed, very safe. So within five, 10 minutes, he basically knew my life story. He knew where I lived, he knew where I worked, he knew yeah. my friends, my family. People kept coming over to the table saying, oh, he's a great lad. You've got a good one here. Let me buy you a drink. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy, you know, he's mm. he's popular. He must, be, he must be amazing. So when he asked me to go to the next pub with him, didn't hesitate, went to the next pub. And it was very much the same in the second pub where he just seemed to know everyone. Everyone was so nice. I wanted to buy us a drink. And then he told me that he really, really liked me. And I was <laughs> like, and then uh, two weeks later I moved into his flat wow as I now know that is the biggest red flag ever do not ever do that uh yeah within two weeks I moved into his flat with him and again he was still very charming very yeah. nice everything still felt really I didn't notice 
anything at all in the situation I was in, in the midst of it all. I, I didn't have a clue what was going on. So when he said to me, oh, don't go and see your mum tonight, stay in. If you don't go, uh, if you love me, you won't go. It's oh, no. all new, all exciting, and you do, you do want to, yeah. you do want to yeah. spend time with each other. So I didn't think anything of it. So I didn't see my mom that night. And then after that point, I hardly ever saw my mom at all during the three years I was with him. Um, oh. Me and my mom, my mom was amazing. She was more like my best friend than my mom. But again, I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with this because yeah. he was just yeah. so charming the way he put it out there. Um, so I was isolated very, very quickly from, from my mom, my friends, my family. Um, then the next incident was when um, I was going out with a friend. And I think it was before I'd moved in with him. So we went to see him before I was going to the pub and I got a short mini skirt on and a nice top and I felt great. And, <laughs> and I went, oh my God, you effing slag. What the hell do you look like? Um, and I was just like, like you guys, I was like... But again, I still didn't think anything too much of it, you know. Yeah. Um, went to the pub, which was literally 10 minutes away from where he lived, just ordered a drink, sat down, and then the phone calls and the text messages and the voicemails, oh, I was just bombarded with them. He was accusing me of having an affair. I was only dressed what? I wanted uh, other men to look at me. Don't need anybody now because I've got him. Didn't even finish my first drink left the pub and I went back to the flat and I didn't go out again at all on my own after that point so I oh. didn't have didn't have friendship didn't have anything yeah again still nothing's really no alarm bells nothing at all yeah one morning I was ready for work and he said stay at home today don't go in if you love me you won't go in now I love my job I really really love my job I worked hard to get where I was it, you know it gave me a sense of direction sense of belonging so when I tried to leave he actually locked me in the flat uh, we <gasps> lived on the seventh floor and he threw my mobile phone out of the, the window so I couldn't even phone in pull a sickie nothing like that at all Shit. And, and when I managed to get free two days later the first place I went was my workplace and it was really difficult because I didn't understand what was happening behind closed yeah. doors. It was going to be really hard for me to explain to somebody else what was happening when I couldn't understand it myself. But yeah. I, think I was expecting a little bit of something from my boss. You know, yeah. I'd been a good employee. I was never late, nothing at all. I did all my work, everything. So I was trying to explain to my boss and he just threw his hands up in the air like this and he went, you're sacked. So what? I had exposure of domestic abuse and uh, the response was I was instantly sacked, sat there and then on the spot. So that point for me was the point that I'd lost everything because my mm. job meant so much to me. Yeah. But what he didn't know, and perhaps I didn't realise at the time, was now the offender could control me 24-7. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. exactly what he did. Every single aspect of my life was controlled from what I wore to who I spoke to to what time I could go to sleep. So um, one night, he used to, he was an alcoholic, so he used to get up at stupid o'clock and then go to bed at stupid o'clock. And one night he literally drank the clock round and I was so tired. And I, I remember going to bed and then five, 10 minutes later he came in and he'd actually stabbed our pet bird. <gasps> our pet bird because... Oh. I went to bed on my own and left him oh my God. in the living room. Yeah. I was timed when I went to the toilet. I'd open the door and he'd stand there looking at his watch going, who have you been texting? 
I couldn't have a bath on my own. The only place I could go on my own was shopping. And then I would always be bombarded with those phone calls and texts, even off his mom, demanding where I was, who I was talking to, what time I'd be back. So when I say every aspect of my life was controlled, I literally mean everything that I did was controlled. Um, And then I I guess it just became normal. I didn't know any different. Um, I've got no one to speak to because my friends didn't want to come and visit. They made it. He he made them feel uncomfortable. He'd flirt with them quite blatantly. Um, so Jesus. it became normal that that became my life um, and after speaking to my boss as a first disclosure I never opened up to anybody else because of I thought, course what's the point no one's going to leave me no one's going to help yeah. me um, yeah. so it, it was just existing for three and a half years uh, for three years it was just existing it was awful so I'm so sorry that you had to go through that firstly so when you say that um, the, when the first incident happened, when he locked you in the house and wouldn't let you go to work, you know, when you said, like, when I finally got free, how did that kind of, what were those couple of days like and how did you eventually, like, convince him or how did you get away to get to work? What happened there? It was awful. It was just awful. It was, um, I now know it was all about power and control. He, he got yeah. control over me. He knew I loved him. And that was the biggest thing that he got going for him, really. He knew I loved him. Um, and I would always... I was very much childlike. So, you know, when you've got a child and they're always wanting to please mommy and daddy, and oh, look, I've done this, I've done this. That's <laughs> very much what I was like. So, I would yeah. or I would cook, or I would go and get him a beer or a cider because I'm doing something in that situation. I was doing it to stay safe. So, it was, it was very much like that. I'd, I'd wake up. So, on that day, I'd clean as though. I'd done something wrong and now look I'm doing something right to make you look at me and you know be nice to me Um, during that um that three-year relationship I got to a point where I was extremely depressed so I would literally just sit in the armchair I wouldn't have a wash I wouldn't brush my hair brush my teeth I wouldn't do anything I'd just sit there and then whatever he wanted me to do whatever it was I would do it because that's my way of staying safe yeah Um, and that's how it was. That's why I say I was just existing. I was just on autopilot. If he said jump, it'd be like, how I? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go to my friends' houses when he'd run out of beer and we got no money. I'd be knocking on the door. I've got two, three quid to lend me. I've never been so embarrassed or humiliated in my life going to, you know, friends' houses asking for money so he could have a beer. But it was to help me stay safe as well. Yeah. Without his beer, he was abusive. And with it, he was, but to a certain degree, I knew what was coming, so I was kind of prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it was just physically just draining, just completely draining. Um, Yeah, just just like a robot. Whatever he said, I did. If I didn't do it, there'd always be a consequence. So before, um, whilst I was still working, I would always (coughs) wait outside the flat. I never had a key, never had a key to get in. I'd have to wait for him to come back from the pub. Um, and it would be late, nine, ten o'clock at night, and then I'd have to start cooking. I'd have to cook his meal. If I didn't cook for him, then it would all kick off. But once I'd got the sack from my job, I'd got a key. So just by saying that out loud, there's that power and control. You know, I'm going to. Yeah. Work. He doesn't know what I'm doing. He doesn't know who I'm speaking to or anything. But now, now I've got the sack. There you go. There's your key. I trust wow. you. Yeah. So I'd always have strict Fuck. instructions. Um, never to answer the door to anyone. This would include his own brother, his own family. I could never open the door to anyone because if I did, 
that there'd always be a consequence. And again, saying that out loud, you think, how? But he'd already manipulated me and brainwashed me to that point that I believe yeah. said if he knew yeah. there would always be that consequence. So there's that fear factor as well. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. Oh, God. How long, so how long were you two together? So on and off, we were together for three years. And I say on and okay. off because there were times when I left. There was okay. times when I'd lie in bed and I knew it was wrong and I knew I had to try and leave because there was no way in the world he was going to change because obviously it yeah. wasn't my fault. It was always my fault, something I said, something I'd done. I used to lie in bed and I used to try and plan how to leave. You know, I'd be crying and I'd be like, how can I leave? And I think one night, I think I did leave, managed to leave the flat, but then I'd always go back because he told me he loved me. He promised he'd change. It never happened again. Oh, I love you so much. It won't happen again. And because that's exactly what I wanted, because I did love him when I first met him and when I first got Of course, yeah. I wanted to be the reason that he changed. I I wanted all that, so I'd go back. And then maybe for a day, two days, maybe a week if I was lucky, things would be like a normal relationship and it would be happy, but then it would all start over again and again and again. Yeah. Um, so he even found me in a safe house, I went to a safe house, he found me there. So sometimes it was just easier and safer to go back. Yeah. Um, because he, he oh. knew where I was. He, he always seemed to be wherever I was, he was always there. And sometimes he'd text me saying he could see me and he knew what I was wearing and things like that. Oh, gosh. Wow. I don't know what the offender's doing. It's really scary. Yeah. That sounds bizarre. But when I was with him, there was always sort of signs that something was going to happen. Yeah. So whether he started tapping his foot or looking at me in a certain way, I knew something would happen. So I'd, I'd kind of prepare myself and then the incident would happen and that, that would be it. Whereas when I wasn't there, you're kind of looking over your shoulder all the time. I was absolutely yeah. petrified. Yeah. I'd wee myself, I'd shake, I couldn't go out on my own for, for ages because I was just so petrified. Yeah. yeah. It's that like morbid safety, isn't it? Like when you're with them, you you can uh, you're aware Absolutely. of what could happen. Yeah. It's like that whole thing keeping your enemies close. So you definitely. know. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh that I'm so, so sorry. Point, so obviously work didn't believe you and they just, you know, obviously sacked you on the spot, which I still can't believe at what point did you next speak to somebody about it where you were like okay this is like I never spoke to anybody after that point um I, I just wow. thought, the point and, and in a way that made me think that okay this is what a relationship's like because this is yeah. like the first yeah. proper relationship I'd ever had never left home before um so I thought oh okay okay this is what it must be like so if I say anything to somebody else they're going to think there's something wrong with me because this is what happens so I didn't speak out to anybody else and if I went to the doctors or any other professionals I would just sit there and I would just look at them like trying to burn into their soul ready for them to say to me are you okay is everything okay I was kind of waiting for that question and that response from other people and then I might have opened up that way yeah Uh, I did have my friends and my family they tried so hard to help me they tried so hard to get me out of there but he was under my skin he was in my brain everything I thought of was him I I was yeah he was under my skin and at that point I couldn't see a way out at all Uh, I sofa surfed I slept at various friends houses and it was all for like two three days and then I'd go back I'd go back I'd go back um, my mum would often say to me, 
bless her she would often say oh you look terrible because I wasn't looking after myself and things yeah. like that and she'd go you're gonna go back there now and he's gonna kill you and now saying that that's like that's really powerful but my yeah. response would be yeah but I love him I love him mommy it'll be fine but it yeah. wasn't fine um and she knew that but she also knew that if she came wading in or anything like that then it would be worse for me mm-hmm. so when I did phone her I'd always have to whisper or I'd have to do it when he wasn't there. And my mom was like, I can't do this anymore. She's like, I'll wait for you to phone me because I know when I phone you, I know he hurts you. She'd heard me screaming one day and she she couldn't Ugh. she couldn't yeah. deal with that. So my phone was always on silent. He woke up one morning to go to the toilet. Um, and my phone was on silent on the bedside table. And I just knew he was going to phone my phone. So who does that? You know, you lie next to your partner. Why would you phone their phone? That's just crazy. Yeah. But that's exactly what he did. And because it was on silent and I didn't have time to put the volume on, yeah. he knew I'd been phoning my mom. So again, mobile phone out the window, big, massive argument because I'd been phoning my mom. Because I'd been what? My mom. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's things like that where you have you have to kind of be one step ahead yeah some bizarre reason I knew he was going to phone my phone scrambled to get mine but you know so there's always a consequence for everything that I did and it was always my fault I should have said this I should have done that you made me do it or the other one was oh that's the drink talking don't believe me when I've had the drink it's just the drink yeah but you know but no it isn't it's you that's what he was like constantly jeez I mean it's so exhausting isn't it just living constantly on like high alert and your brain being conditioned to be like he's going to do this and then he does because you know so well what's coming it's Absolutely. it's awful yeah it, it's just it, it's one of the things isn't it like you you seem like such a happy person and you just seem really lovely and then you're saying okay. these horrific things you've been through yeah. oh okay so how did the final end how how did you get out yeah so the final end it happened in November 2006 Okay. It was a Friday night and we'd both been out uh, to the local pub. We'd moved, I'd moved area by this point, but went to the local pub. Um, and apparently I said the wrong thing, whatever the wrong thing is. Uh, yeah. Slapped me, split my lip open whilst I was holding our 10 month old daughter in my arms. Oh, shit. That for me was my wake up call. I yeah. was like, yes, I had had a drink. I wasn't drunk, drunk. I had a drink, but I was like, I can't do this anymore. If yeah. you missed me and hit my daughter, that would have been my fault mm-hmm. in my mind that would have been my fault so I knew at that point yeah. things have got to change I remember phoning the police they came out there was a, a male and a female but they couldn't take my statement because I was intoxicated so they wouldn't take my statement so I had to stay with him for the weekend and all this time I'm thinking what am I going to do so I've got to plan everything down to the last detail so he doesn't notice anything different in my behavior because if he clicks onto something yeah gonna know so on the Monday morning uh, I've got my daughter I just put her in a pram she's still got a baby growing that on I said oh, I'll just pop into the shop is there anything anything you need and I just jumped on the bus went to my local police station and made that final statement the guy who took my statement is somebody who actually knew me and he's okay. worked, and he, he looked at me and he went oh my god he went you look like shit you look terrible oh. he said is this is this it now you know are you ready and I was like 
I've got to. Yeah. So on the same day, I went to a firm of solicitors and I got a non-junction, um, non-monestation order against him. But I didn't know how this works and nobody explained it to yeah. me. I didn't realise that somebody would come to the house, knock on the door and actually serve papers to him. But oh, nobody wow. explained this to me. So I'm, I'm existing with someone who's very insecure, who constantly um, accuses me of cheating. Then the front door goes and there's a big, bald-headed, burly bloke knocking on the front door. Yeah. Brenda's looking out the window going, who the effing hell is that? And I'm like, I have no idea, I don't know. So I couldn't open the door because if I'd have opened the door, there would have been consequences. And I didn't know who was knocking at the door at the time. So it actually took them two, two I think it was two or three days before they actually physically served the papers on him. Um, and that was purely because nobody explained what happens. Yeah. Uh, so my daughter saved my life because if I hadn't had my daughter, I wouldn't have had a reason to stay. Yeah. And I would probably be dead now because that is the reality of that relationship that I was in. Yeah. I didn't see a way out. It was just me at the time. But when I had her and that incident happened, that was the turning point. And then again, you think, oh, that's it. Three months later, he'd instructed a solicitor for contact and parental responsibility. So he dragged me through the family court. Whoa. That was the worst part of the cycle of my life because he's already threatened me uh, during the relationship to get taken off me. I'm a shit mom. He's going to get social services involved. So when I'm actually at court, I'm petrified because I think, oh my God, they're going to take my daughter away. You know? Of course, yeah. Um, but over time, he didn't turn up. He didn't come to all the appointments. He used right. to come in with excuses like, I've lost my front door key, I can't, I can't come in today. So I was one of the lucky ones and it was actually yeah. thrown out of court because he was wasting everybody's time. Um, and I could have said that from the beginning, but then it looks like you're just point scoring. So they actually saw that for themselves. Yeah. So that, that for me was, was my wake up call and that's how I, I broke free, I guess. Well, that's how I got away from him. Um, yeah. Abuse still has a huge impact. Of course, when so obviously you say you guys had a daughter together, like when you were pregnant, how was the situation between you and him then? Like, were you safe? No physical abuse, but okay, um, controlling was still there. And I remember, um, I remember one night he was banging on the the living room window. I remember it was it was quite dark, so it must have been it must have been October time. So probably before the last incident happened. And I remember him knocking on the door uh, the windows and I was just petrified. Yeah. So my daughter's sleeping upstairs and I'm thinking, oh he'll stop banging in a minute. He knows the baby's upstairs. He'll go, he didn't. This made him worse because I didn't open the door. So in my safety mode, I went into the kitchen. Uh, I put the oven on, ready to cook his meal. So when I opened the door, I'm like, oh, I've been in the kitchen, you know. And he just went berserk. He just came in shouting, swearing, uh, really, really aggressive. He hadn't been like that for, for a long time. He was spitting at me. He, he just went wild. Um, so it wasn't as bad when I was pregnant, but it was still there. It, it was, was still, still yeah. There, yeah. What was he like as a dad? Yeah, no, he wasn't like a dad at all. Um, he would get her up in the morning. So he'd go okay. upstairs, get her out of the cot, hold her, and then he'd go to the pub all day. He wouldn't bath her, he wouldn't feed her, wouldn't change a nappy, wouldn't do right. anything. Um, the one night I asked him, oh, do you mind bathing her? Big argument. Um, I was sick in the head. 
there was something wrong with me because it's wrong for a father to bath their daughter. What? Yeah. So there was no, there was no fatherly anything there at all. Uh, and if I did ask him to do something, that's the response I get. I'm making him do this and I'm making him do that. And it's like, she's your daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, was, there was none of that there at all. Um, however, when I kicked him out, um, sorry. <laughs> You're good. When I kicked him out, um, he told his mom that, you know, uh, she won't let me see, see the baby. So his mom phoned me. And I was like, I've, I've not stopped him from seeing her. I've made arrangements when we split up. I've made arrangements for him to come to the house to have contact with her. Yeah. He up. When I went out, he was actually in the high street drinking with his ex-girlfriend. Oh, so God. to me, okay, his priorities are obviously wrong. Um, his mum phoned me up and I was like, if he wants to see her, we'll have to do it properly. And it'll have yeah. to be done um, through a contact centre. They were expecting contact to take place at their house. I was like, no. If, if, if he does want to see it, then it's got to be done properly because I need to know that she's safe. Yeah. Um, the solicitors were and the contact centre were very bizarre. There was no interest in my daughter at all. They were more concerned about their safety and the safety of the staff. They'd obviously seen his previous history, extremely violent, extremely violent person. And they were more mm. concerned about themselves than, than my daughter. But I was really adamant from day one that there would be no contact whatsoever. Um, because it just wasn't in the best interest for my daughter at all. Yeah. And I thought if I'd have said yes, then what kind of mum would that make me? Just handing yeah. over my 10 month old to a stranger because she didn't know him. Um, so, yeah. Have they got a relationship now at all? Or is... He um, passed away about six years ago. Okay. Uh, so, again, that's a whole different thing because for me, for me personally, for Sam, I'm safe. I know I'm safe. Can't hurt me anymore. Yeah. But my daughter and my mother hat. It's really sad because you've got this innocent child who's done nothing wrong. She's oblivious yeah. to what's going on. She's 17 this year. Um, she's asked questions. She's, you know, and I don't have all the answers to those questions because a lot of them obviously are about what was he like as a person. So she knows little tiny bits she doesn't know everything in great detail she, she kind of knows that he wasn't very nice to me and he, and he used to hit me sometimes but she doesn't know in depth what right. actually on um but she's the most amazing person ever she's just so amazing she's like I really understand why you didn't let me have contact and things like that she's yeah. more upset that he died than the fact that I said to no to contact yeah she understands why I did that it was yeah, right of course for her at that time, you know, and when she was growing up, I knew she'd want to see him because that's obvious and natural for anyone to, to want to know the dad. Yeah, of course. I've never said a bad word about him to her. She's met her, his mom and dad. Um, she's got half brothers. She's met them as well, but none of them are really interested in her. So yeah. it's right. quite sad. It's really sad. Um, but that is the impact of domestic abuse. Um, that yep. I was the bad one for, for not letting him see her, but I did let him see her, you know, it kind of swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah. How is it? It's a bit of a weird question, but obviously having a daughter, like what how do you feel about that? Obviously, everything you've been through with domestic abuse, like 
is it something that's impacted you as a mum or yeah, are you I'm terrible <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible um yeah I've always got my soda hat on always yeah especially where my daughter's concerned obviously you know I love her to be she's the most precious thing in my life I've had to kind of take a step back from that so as I say she's 17 this year and she's actually in a relationship she's got a boyfriend which I found really really difficult at the beginning yeah and of course think, as a parent anyway you do you worry anyway as a parent yeah um but I've always got she'll say something into me it's like oh gosh but to her and then when she explains it to me well actually it is nothing but I've always got that in the back of my mind yeah she's very aware of um coercive control and what domestic abuse are all about yeah. but she's she's very very mature um but I do worry I do worry about it a lot um, and she's like, Mom, not everyone's like my dad, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I do know that. But domestic abuse is seen as normal. And it's happening to our young people. And it's happening to yeah. people the same age as my daughter. Um, so we have to talk about these things. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think I've said that all that's needed to be said to her about that. She's really aware. And she does talk to me if something happens. And she's a little bit unsure. She'll talk to me. And she's already worked out the scenario, worked out everything. She just wants that little bit of reassurance. Yeah, of course. So she does come to me for that, which I'm really grateful for because I didn't go to my mum when I should have done maybe when I was in that situation. So for yeah. me and my daughter to have that relationship, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, so as bizarre as it sounds, I'm not glad, but I should have experienced what I experienced to now do what I do. Yeah to be able to help my daughter in that way so yeah, yeah. it's seeing the light in a very dark situation mm-hmm. and, and you're totally right like I I was 15 when I met the person and it's again me and Farah spoke about this when we were that age like I didn't know what domestic abuse was I didn't know what gaslighting was what like control meant I didn't I just thought that was love and that's just what I was meant for like it is a weird thing so it is great that you're talking to your daughter about this and she is aware because unfortunately there is seems to be a lot of people we talk to have had these situations it's not a one-off and it can affect anyone from being 14 to being 60 like Mm -hmm. the the span is very big and it's terrifying so the more we're aware of it the more aware of things like red flags of gaslighting and things that love bombing things that we didn't have names for 10 years ago Mm -hmm. so it's amazing that you are so open with your daughter about it because I I imagine it's quite hard though for you like when she gets a boyfriend and stuff like that it is really really hard yeah so uh, she had she did have we we were in cadets and she, she did see someone from cadets and he was showing all the signs of red flags that Mm. my offender was so he was like he was what was he 15 15 something like that and it's like oh my god he's so young yeah Yeah. learning curve for me because I was in my early 20s when I experienced it so for me that was a learning curve in itself that you know our young people are that they're young and like you say I think for younger people for, for boys and girls if your partner's always phoning you, that can be seen like love. Oh, you know, he wants to know what I'm doing or she wants to know where I am. But if it's constant and it's all yeah. then it's not love. That That's control. They want to know who you're talking to. Why do they need to know that? That isn't about yeah. love. Um, so, yeah, I think it's like important that. that we talk about it as much as we can. Um, yeah. 
because I wish something I wish I was around when I was in that situation because I didn't post I didn't didn't know anything at all until I came out the other end and I was given a questionnaire which I I now believe is something like the women's aid questionnaire yeah and I remember answering yes to almost every single question on that piece of paper and I was like and I just remember breaking down and bursting into tears because I didn't know I didn't realize at the time how bad I knew I knew things weren't right in the middle and towards the end but I didn't know to what extent because I'd never had a conversation with anybody about domestic abuse. I'd never heard of it. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, so I think things are changing slightly. Yeah, where our conversations are concerned, but there's still so much work to be done, and and the conversation uh, will have to be had. Absolutely, even stuff like me and Farah have spoke about this recently. But programs like Love Island need to take into account the behaviour they're showing as entertainment like it's social media needs to take into account the the whole Johnny Depp and Amber situation was a trend on TikTok it was a thing that I I saw the other day and I won't name the person um a celebrity used um a voiceover thing on TikTok and it just said Johnny Depp had to live with a crazy girl for years and got this amount of money I do it for free and then a picture of his missus and like how they were having banter in the kitchen and I saw it and instantly was like unfollow by no that's not funny like you but everyone's laughing in the comments and it's like we need to take account that you wouldn't why why is that funny why you made a joke out of it that's not okay you don't know the situation that's not okay but unfortunately the media needs to take account for this as well definitely um love island I've seen one episode out of all the series it's not my cup of tea at all not no. nothing at all. Uh, and the one day, my daughter, Tegan, she said, oh, mum, come on, please watch it. <laughs> and I'm like, I really didn't want to, but I wanted to spend time with her. Yeah. So the only way I'm going to be able to do this is, you know, sit and watch Love Island. And I thought, perhaps, you know, I'll give it a try. I might, I might enjoy it. Might really mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. Five, ten minutes in, I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like this. I, I can't see it. Yeah. I see that many red flags. And I'm like, yeah. there are millions of young people watching yeah. And they like that person already, and they're looking up to that person already. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I can see so many red flags, controlling behaviour, gaslighting. Yeah. And then there's no helpline at the end. There's no nope. mankind number. There's no women aid number. There's there's no nothing. No. So no. People are looking at this and and thinking this is love, and I'm like, yeah. Oh my god. And it's funny, and it's like I know people who've been like, oh my god, I'm such a so and so from Love Island, and I'm like, that's not okay. No. Like my no. niece was it, talking it, about clips from TikTok because it's everywhere. It's not just on TV. Like you can get it. Yeah, it's everywhere. All over social media. And I said to her, I was like, and she's she's ten, and I was like, just so you, know, I was like, you do know it's not real. It's not real love. It's not how things work. No. I was like, it's just they're trying to make entertainment I was like but it's not entertainment it's not, it's not good it's very toxic and she was like oh no I know Auntie Nicola like it's just you know laughable but at the same time I'm like I shouldn't be explaining this to a 10 year old because I'm worried about how damaging it is that people yeah. need to see this on social media and I, I'm like this is not real like this is not how love is it shouldn't be how love is exactly and I'm explaining this to a 10 year old because ITV can't do it for them exactly yeah <laughs> So it can be a trigger for victims and survivors. Yep. Well, they could see 
yeah relationship and certain relationships on there but there's no help or support there's no nothing you know no crap on like that at least you know even it out put a few helplines on there and explain you know this is not it's difficult because they're getting the ratings and so why would they yeah social media influencers and whoever so their ratings and everything are going up but there's no conversation about what it's really about I I did do a blog and I think I said you know it would be great for educational purposes about what domestic abuse is and what controlling behavior is it would be for that not for the love because when I met my offender I didn't meet him on a sunny beach and have a bikini on when I met him you know you don't meet people not normally you don't meet people in those (laughs) it's not even real when it first begins yeah Um, and, and as you say we shouldn't have to be explaining to to nine and ten year olds this there should be something already out there yeah curriculum talking about these things because the offenders are getting younger so we've got to get to yeah. them much quicker before they get to that point yeah. that's the thing it's like yeah. why are they getting younger why is this happening why are like I did a few school tours and I went in and I spoke about mental health and anxiety and I just sang a few of my songs told the background of it and I literally called like far afterwards I was like the questions I got asked the the attitude I got faced with from these like boys who I was scared of and I was like you are 14 how how have we allowed this in society like and it's so hard because we can't blame social media and all that sort of stuff for everything but at the same time there needs to be account there needs to be I watched one episode of Love Island ages ago and it was when um basically one of the boys went up to a girl and was like I never said this I love you la 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 then went to the lads and was like ah bitch believed it la 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 and like slagging her off and I was furious and I was like that and it was all a laugh and it was all funny and it was all highlighted on like the things coming up and I was like why isn't Love Island stepping in and being like no you're a bit of a wanker this is actually what happened and embarrassing them humiliating them taking that moment to go world learn yeah, this, yeah, this is not okay but instead they made the girl out to be crazy and I'm putting crazy in inverted commas because obviously that's the favorite thing for any person to say yeah and it's infuriating and it's I am terrified for the younger generation mm-hmm. definitely definitely I think it's easier for society to normalize domestic yeah. abuse rather than tackling the issue yeah being very scared to tackle the issue of domestic abuse so I, I run an online support group and, and they're all at different stages of their journey. Some have left, some are in the process of leaving and then they, they record and report it to the police and then their attitude and their culture and the way they see domestic abuse is, oh, it's, it's just a one-off or it's just a domestic and it's like, but it isn't. No. How can we change anything if we've still got professionals with that attude, you know? Yep. I've done another blog recently and I think there are so many police officers who are not trained in attending domestic abuse incidents so here we are trying to encourage victims to speak out and phone the police but when they get to that point they don't get anything you know encourage them to leave or anything like that and the onus is on and the blame is on the victim we don't hold the perpetrator accountable for anything so it always feels like it's a victim's fault and yeah. that's across the board. So the support group I run is, is uh, open to anybody in the country and I have loads of people from different areas and that is across the board. We can't say it's just in one area like West Berlin yeah. because it's not. It's happening yeah. across the board and these things have got to change before 
we can change the conversation and the understanding of domestic abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, you, you've just kind of mentioned what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. So, obviously, you've left and moved on. A mate, like you're raising this incredible young woman. What, how, what's going on in your life? What are you doing with it? Because obviously, I see on Twitter, but I yeah, want you to tell, tell the audience about your work. Yeah, of course. Um, so, once I, I managed to, to get, get away from him and stuff, um, yeah. I enrolled my daughter on all the mother and toddler groups at our local Shore Start Centre. Love that. Um, my uh, I had a family support worker who was amazing she was so helpful she believed in me she listened to me she was just amazing and then in time I became a volunteer at the uh, family center uh, the sure start center sorry and I used to work in the offices and I worked alongside the volunteering coordinator and one day she said have you ever thought about helping other people in that situation and of course my first response was no <laughs> definitely not no why would I do that why would anybody but the more I thought about it the more I thought I want to be the support that I never had I never had anyone yeah. to talk to pick up the phone to and it all started off uh, as a Facebook group so oh, wow. it's called SODA which stands for survivors of domestic abuse and it's a Facebook group and it's got over 800 members worldwide in the group and it's just a safe haven for them to come to, to talk to other people who understand and who get it. Yeah. Uh, and I've been doing this for 14 years, all on a volunteer oh, wow. basis. But most recently, I'm going to become a CIC. So I've been doing it on my own for so long. Oh, wow. Directors and a team behind me, and we were going to become a CIC, which is a little bit like a charity, but with less red tape. Yeah. So it's going to become more structured. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with West Midlands Ambulance Service at the moment. I provide online workshops for them um, to help raise awareness, to help recognise domestic abuse in colleagues. Um, because as you know, my passion is just raising awareness. So I use yeah. any platform I can, Twitter, Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, to raise awareness because it's important. Because yeah. if there's somebody out there like me who doesn't know that they were a victim until they're out of it, they've gone through all that. And I'd rather somebody see a tweet or, you know, one of my posts. And I do get this where they message me and they say, I've left or I saw your post. That's me. Can you help me? Yeah. And that is what I do because Amazing. it's needed. Yeah. It's 22 and we've come we've come away from how it was 20, 30 years ago, but it's nowhere near to what it actually should be. Yeah, 100%. Um, we've been talking so about just that by raising a little bit of awareness, it is making yeah. a slight difference, but it needs to be across the board. Everybody needs to be kind of yeah. doing work. It very much feels like people are doing things in different areas but there's no lines being joined up so we're not working as one but all worked as one the impact for victims and survivors of domestic abuse will be immense it will be amazing mm-hmm. um but we haven't got to that stage yet hopefully we're on the way and obviously with your yeah. work that sounds incredible thank you so anyone can join the facebook group yeah That's absolutely all, yeah. um so i've got a website which is www sodahq.uk and all my details are on there great from sodasam underscore on twitter uh and you can't find the group on facebook or anything because obviously it's a secret group yes. so they have to come to me direct i add them they have to answer a few security questions first because of, of obviously the nature of the group oh, of yes. course. it can't be found anywhere it comes directly to me um, nobody else outside of the group can see what's posted in the group and there's an opportunity Great. 
post anonymously in the group as well. So it's a very, very safe group. I've been running it for 12 years. So wow. yeah, it's very safe. And it's it's for anyone who's been affected by domestic abuse. So it doesn't matter if you've left, if you're still in the group, there's no criteria, nothing like that. It's just simply if somebody needs me, I'm there. Whether it's a phone call, text message, whatever. It's just knowing wow. that they're alone, that they're not the only one going through this and what they're feeling is normal because I get a lot of them saying, oh, well, I still love them or that's normal. I, I felt like that at the pot, you know, when I first left and yeah, of course. You dealt with all these emotions on your own for so long and now they're kind of coming out and you don't necessarily know how to deal with them. Yeah. So it's yeah. just about them not being on their own. And they're all amazing in the group. They all support each other as well because they understand they have yeah. empathy with each other. There's that's no incredible. judgment. There's no, oh, you've gone back. There's none of that at all. It's just oh god, yeah. Group. I love that. That's amazing. Well, we'll yeah. definitely we'll link everything in this episode and anyone listening who thinks that they would benefit from joining this please do Um, men and women absolutely definitely well sam thank you so much you're amazing thank you for your time honestly yeah thank you for soda like yeah get there together (laughs) yes thank you we'll let you go for the rest of your day but honestly just sending you so much love thank you so much thank you thank you darling bye honey bye and that was the amazing Samantha Billingham. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. What an absolute dream. Doing so much. And, the the you know, like she said, even with the daughter and stuff like that, just 18 years later, she's like, it's still, things are still triggering her. Things yeah. are, you know, she's seeing other red flags for people and who are with the daughter right. or things like that. And seeing it in younger people, like 15 year olds, like Jesus that's scary Mate, literally yeah and I, I was really intrigued actually when she talked about her daughter because obviously at 14 oh no 17 she said her daughter was mm-hmm. it's very much like that is the age where you you'll probably have like crap relationships and get your heart broken mm-hmm. and like you discover your boundaries and that must be really hard as a mum who's been through a domestic abuse situation to then go yeah okay that's just that's just a bad relationship it's not it's not abusive yeah. she's not unsafe it's just you know what we're like teenagers you you have mm. to get your heart broken that's like a rite of passage isn't it yeah it is but it, then it's so like hard. where like she said where's the line where do, where's the line yeah you know us as survivors not go oh well yeah he's only 15 this cadet but this is emotional abuse this or is this abuse, is yeah so it's like it's where so it's yeah it's so hard but she's doing some incredible yeah. work now, so we will link everything um, in the description and everything like that, Absolutely. so you can go check out everything she's doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, incredible. I love the whole soda. I love the idea of like it's a group for people who are survivors, and it's yeah. exactly like we're trying to do with Take Back the Beat. It's full of people who just want to help others or who yeah. need a bit of extra support. No so. judgment, just safe space. Nah. It's great. It's really good. What an absolute dream! And if you're not following Samantha on Twitter, she does. She posts a lot about mm-hmm. her experiences and triggers she's found and stuff, and it's it is quite eye opening. Like just watching because she just like really snippets of the relationship, so it's yeah. kind of like. It's, it's if you you open a book and just read a random paragraph. Yeah, it's really it's really cool, like how yeah. she's done how it. She's I done cool it, yeah. in a weird way, but no, I know you, you mean. kind of yeah you see the insights of her life and it's really great. So do do check her out; she's amazing. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. Claps, 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 claps. I always get like scared about clapping said. in case it like hurts everyone's ears. <laughs> um, it's really funny because like obviously like 
we stop the recording and like export it after we've had a guest and then we go on to the end so that we don't like lose anything yeah um in that little break me and Farrah were just talking about the fact that like what Sam just said like the whole like coercive control is technically mm. the government putting us into lockdown like yeah the second that Boris made that big announcement and we all got thrust into lockdown, like a lot of us were, I mean, I was very lucky. I was with my family, but obviously Farrah, you were on your own. Like it's, I just had the biggest epiphany, didn't I? In between. Like, and I will happily tell you now, basically, I think I said it in my episode or I've said it in a episode, but that I started having like flashbacks and like really bad triggers in lockdown, in the first lockdown. And I couldn't yeah. understand why, because in my brain then, obviously it had been like two and a half years, and I was like, why is this happening now? Like, you know, I thought I dealt with it, etc. And yeah. I was having flashbacks that I didn't even know until I'd had them that had happened to me. Um, and basically, I realized in this last 10 minutes that... <laughs> You know, I've talked about previously as well the the video that I recorded on my laptop because yeah. I was in utter isolation at one point and I had nobody else to talk to. So my only option was, A, my dog, which is great, but unfortunately she couldn't help me, um, and B, yeah. the camera in my laptop, which is what I did um, yeah. because I was in pure isolation. And then... I realize now, obviously, that's a trigger in itself because then we all got put into isolation and yeah. that's when I started having my flashbacks and everything. So she kind of just put a little bit into perspective for me there, which is kind of refreshing, but also I'm going to kind of sit with Isn't that today. That, like, great, though, that like we're doing this podcast and we're still having moments where we go, yeah. oh, fuck, that's what that is. Yeah, like she literally left the room then. And so yeah. thank you, by the way, Samantha, because you just literally <laughs> gave me like this epiphany that I can sit with today and deal with that, which is great. Because to me, that's progress for my journey. It makes yeah. a little bit more sense for me as to why I couldn't figure out then what the fuck was going on with my brain. Um, and you've helped me. So thank you. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's it's still going to happen now, these sort of things. And yeah, it is just things that we're going to have to learn to deal with and work with for the rest of our lives. But yeah, that's helped me today. So there we go. Yeah. I mean, that's every great, guest yeah. helps me in some way, but that really kind of just made me go, oh, that's why. That's what you, yeah. It's it's great. Like we, a few people have said to us like, oh, it's amazing what you're doing. Like it's really brave and like full of courage. And like, I literally, I did a podcast the other week that's going to come out soon um, called Yes, She Can. And it was all about like female positivity. And she said to me like, oh, it's amazing what you and Farrah are doing. And I was like, it's completely selfish. I was like, genuinely, we started this because we needed someone to talk to yeah <laughs> like isn't it mad and it's like yeah okay we are helping other like we've been told we're helping others we have people reach out and stuff but mm-hmm. the fact is we started this because we needed to yeah we needed each other we needed to talk yeah. and then obviously I mean that bit's the selfish bit but you know the part yeah. that came after was when we kind of right. realized when we did the first event how much people were starting to come out of the woodworks and needed it and were like yeah. oh yeah and we were like, oh, yeah. shit, this is a thing. Like, we we need to take what we've done, you know, this for each other and yeah, create and a space us. for everyone who needs it. Because yeah. some people don't have a friend like you. Like, w- do you understand how lucky we are to have each other? Like, oh, 100%. it's unreal to be able to have that, that we've both been through the same thing. And I can be like, hey, it's 2 a.m. and I'm freaking out because, <laughs> I don't know, this this noise happened and it reminds... Like, you yeah. know, all my friends and family are incredible, 
but I don't think they'd know what to do with that. <laughs> if no. I, if they, they'd be like, okay, can, shall I come up? What shall I do? Whereas you're like, you know exactly what to say. You yeah. know what's going on and you understand and you don't judge. And that's, that's, yeah, that's the whole point of this, isn't yeah. it? We just yeah. Go, even like when we first talked about doing the podcast and we said to our producer, we're like, Will anyone even listen though? Like, who who would want to listen to us? Just like, me and you, yeah, <laughs> on a Thursday. We, yeah, just chilling. <laughs> but actually, that's not what we thought. A lot of people are listening, and we've had amazing messages and yeah. amazing guests who've reached out and want to talk to us. So yeah, we're very lucky. So Maybe yeah. that's our win of the week. Our win mm-hmm. of the week is the fact that we're still fucking doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and like I said, I know I know every episode we're like it's a safe space and things, but it is really starting to feel like a little family coming together yeah. and please reach out to us. Like our email is always open, our Instagram, everything like Nat yeah. and I are both connected to socials and both connect we all we both reply and you know if there's yeah. anyone out there that wants to come on and talk or anything like that, we really do mean it. Like we're a little family and we're here for each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. On that note... Um, Have you got a win of the week? Oh. Since yesterday. <laughs> Since yesterday. Um, I had yesterday's win of the week. Have you got any win of the week? Have you got anything? I just panicked then because I was like, why did I even bring it up? Because I don't have one either. Yeah, I don't have one. Um, okay, I've got, I've got one for you. Okay, go. It's obviously dog related. Obviously. I discovered a new Instagram account. Oh, okay called crumpet and butter oh <gasps> now i'm hungry it's but carry on a chow chow and a corgi mm. best mates called crumpet oh. and butter um i've literally like even we were in paris i was like Aiden, look at this <laughs> and he was like there's no tradam i was like yes but the corgi's like crawling underneath the chow chow that's cute. um so that's that's my one of the week is i just keep discovering really really great dog videos it'll never beat the friendship that i the animals that i sent you she can't oh, remember now look i put you on the spot I so i sent nat a few weeks ago a video and i was like name a better friendship like oh my god yeah that was brilliant and it was a yeah, white was peacock a white peacock <laughs> and a white labrador i swear I w- i'll put it on the tape about the beat story like when this episode comes out because I swear to God, I just sat, I was nearly late for stage. I was just like, I'm just going to sit here and just watch them play. And it was, they just, they loved it. And then another peacock came along and I was like, this is unreal. So yeah, a peacock and a dog. Bezies. It's like me and you. I know, right? (laughs) Me with the hair. I'm definitely the Labrador. (laughs) 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 What's going on? What's going on? See, I was like, me, the peacock with the big hair. You're the lab. Me, I'm just excited hey, puppy. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey everyone. What's going on? Hey, hey. Uh. Fucking hell. Right, we love you guys, and we will see you next week. Yeah. Love you. Bye. Bye. Peace Bye. out, A-Town. Stop it right now. We do apologise if anyone was triggered by any of the dialogue we used today. We are still learning and we are only just beginning to talk about our own experiences. We're aware that trigger warnings are completely different for everybody, so please bear with us. We love you all. We also want to hear your experiences. If there's anything you'd like to share with us, any stories, anything you are happy to discuss on this podcast, you can stay anonymous if you would like. Please send us an email at takebackthebeattour at gmail.com. That's takebackthebeattour at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at Take Back the Beat. Thanks, guys. We love you all.